to open our Bibles to the book of Psalms and find Psalm 78. Psalm 78, just as soon as you find it, let's go ahead and stand to our feet as we read the Holy Word of God. Psalm 78, beginning in verse number 1. This psalm has been on my mind, in my heart, here recently. We're about to send a number of children back to school this year. And it reminds me as we promote them up, even here in the Sunday school program, the Awana program, and all that's happening here. It reminds me what a precious commodity that we have in our children. Psalm 78, verse number 1, the Bible says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known unto their children." that the generation to come might know them. Even the children, the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. And I'm struck by what's said in verse number 8, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Father, I ask for Your help in these moments tonight not to achieve anything of my doing, but Lord, that You would accomplish all of Yours. Lord, I pray that You would add Your blessing to the reading of Your Word, that it, standing alone, would accomplish all that You desire for it to do in our hearts. And Lord, I pray now that You would give me the right illumination, strength, and passion to be able to accurately say the things that You have placed in my heart for this hour. And I ask You, Lord, to do this, not in my name, but in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I look at this, I am reminded that the Lord has given us an awesome task. That every time a baby is born and comes into this world of a Christian mother, a Christian father, that that mother and that father have given them the most awesome task that can be given man on this side of eternity, not just to impart the information of salvation to a child in the work of evangelism, if you would say, but to raise that child, the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, to follow the Lord, to love the Lord, to care for the things of the Lord, that that parent would correct that child and, and guide that child toward God. It is both the most important task of a parent as well as the most difficult. 
In Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 6, the, the Bible tells us that we should train up a child in the way that he should go. And we should be reminded that those words don't come lightly, for children have incredible value. Psalm 127, verse number 3 says that, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. And I in no means desire to bring any grievance or pain to those who desire to have children but yet have not. And I'll remind you that even if you do not have a child, you are a child. And in that, the fruit of your mother's womb was the reward of God. And because of that, you are intensely valuable, not just to your parents, but to God Himself. For you are His heritage. You are His inheritance, so to speak. And then Psalm 127 says that as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. What an awesome responsibility. And now that my daughter is a teenager, even though she's 11, which makes no sense to me, I really think we ought to revamp our whole youth group system here at Valley View. If it's a teen group, teen, youth, teen, teen something, I can't even think straight. Then you've got to be a teen to qualify. Maybe we should just raise it and have a church vote. Emma, what do you think? Uh, have to be 13 to go into the youth group? No? All right. It's an awesome responsibility. And I've been thinking about that. Train up a child. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not, should depart, he shall not depart from it. Tra train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And, and I realize that it does not say, tell up a child. Because I'm telling you, I could tell up a child. I mean, I really could. I could tell them. When to wake up and when to go to bed and what, what, what to do and what not to do. And, and I've got, I mean, I've got a wealth of wisdom that I could tell a child. And I have seen parents try to tell up a child. And one thing I've noticed is that it tends not to work. Telling up a child. Telling up a child. I've seen parents try to teach up a child. You see, teaching is not telling. Teaching is a little bit different. I mean, people have told me a lot of things that didn't teach me anything. You know, have you ever had a friend like that? <laughs> they tell you all kinds of stuff, but you won't learn a thing from them. Because they really don't have anything worth saying. There's a difference between telling and teaching. You see, teaching involves the impartation of knowledge to be able to, to instruct a child and to give them information and to have that information received intellectually so that there are things that they now know at least on, a, on an intellectual level at whatever capacity that they have whether the capacity of a two-year-old or the capacity of an 18-year-old which I'm not sure which is least. No offense to you 18 year olds out there. Just trying to keep your attention. My point is this, there's a difference between telling and teaching, but the Bible does not say in Proverbs 22 6 to tell up a child, nor does it say to teach up a child, but instead it, it says to train up a child in the way that it should go. 
I spent a considerable amount of time thinking about this, praying for wisdom on this, and there's no no possibility that we're going to have enough time tonight for me to tell you all that I have thought concerning this, but if, if I could give you a few things just by way of introduction, I'd like to preach a message entitled, Training the Generation to Come. There is a generation coming after us that is sitting in the same pews as us. They are listening to the same message that you are listening to right now. They are going to have their own different life experiences. They are going to be brought up in a world that we were not brought up in. They're going to face things that we did not face and yet we are trying to instill in that generation to come the things that were instilled in us knowing that as long as we train them up according to God's Word that no matter what the onslaught of the future is that they will be equipped to handle it but they must not be told nor taught. They must be trained. Like a warrior. We ought to be training warriors and worshipers. That's, that should be our goal. Warriors and worshipers. Here is the difference, if I could, just as a surface level survey, the difference between teaching and training. As some of these things are, are the same, but if I could, just by way of introduction, distinguish these two, is that there is instruction involved. There is instruction. You cannot train someone without giving them instruction. So no doubt as we seek to train up our child, we should be instructing them in the way that they should go. We should not be sitting there silently on the couch just hoping that they figure it out. But we should be instructing them. There should be information that God has given us as parents and and as people that are influencing their lives that are beneficial to their understanding of the world. You see, this is where Satan so quickly gets his smelly little toenails into our children's life. And if that visual image disturbed you, good. Because that's all Satan has to offer. He has very little to offer our children that will not destroy them and will not cause destruction in their life. And it seems like Satan is always trying to instruct our children and give them a different understanding about who they are and what they are than what the Word of God says. Because the Word of God says that they were created in God's image And they need to understand that this life that they have is valuable, not just because the limited number of days that God gives them, but because they have been created in the image of the One who created them, a a being that is eternal and holy in the heavens, who is from everlasting to everlasting. And as we live in this life, we are created in the image of God, and we are corrupt by the work of sin in our body and the work of the flesh. And our children need instructed in that. If I could just give you one example. You know, the world will teach our children. They will instruct. They will give them an understanding that they should just follow their heart. Please don't. (laughs) Please don't. I'll just follow your heart. 
Just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. You listen, the Bible is very clear in telling us that the heart is it's deceitful. It's desperately wicked. And who can know it? No, let me give you something better. Don't follow your heart. Find a way to delight in God. There's instruction. I, I, I need to to keep moving but in training there must be instruction in training and this is one of the biggest difference between training and teaching but in training there must be example there must be example I remember when I, I joined the army, I show up at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and uh, I'm pretty excited. It's kind of late at night, and we all, you know, get into the barracks. It's three in the morning or so. I slept for what felt like two seconds, and then all of a sudden the lights go on. Boom! I know lights don't make noise, but when they go on at three in the morning like that, they make noise. You know what I mean, Brother Dolls? He knows what I mean. They make the noise of a metallic, a metal trash can getting thrown down the bay. Clang, 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 clang. Get out! And sure enough, we got out and I came outside and the sun wasn't up yet. I wasn't sure why I was up. You're supposed to wait till the sun comes up. So then they start teaching us and training us. And it might seem like a silly thing, but they start training us these little exercises, which I thought were silly. So I trained some of our junior campers in one of these same exercises. And I'll never forget the day that I heard a drill sergeant say, The overhead arm clap! I thought, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. The overhead arm clap? Can't you just say, clap your hands over your head? And then he said this. He said, Demonstrator, post! You know what I'm saying, Brother Bart? Mr. Drill Sergeant back there. When he said that, there was this drill sergeant up here. The overhead arm clap! And then I learned we were supposed to repeat. The overhead arm clap! This sounds silly. Demonstrator, post! And when he said that, there's this highly motivated non-commissioned officer that began running as fast as he possibly could from the back to the front. And he posted the demonstrator. He said, demonstrator, starting position, move! And that demonstrator, boom, put his arms out right like this. He said, demonstrator, I will count the cadence, you will count the repetition. And then they began to exercise, which I enjoyed watching. And the drill sergeant said, one, two, three, and the demonstrator said, one. I was like, wait a second, he did three of those and only counted one. I don't like where this is going. One, two, three, two. One, two, three, three. That sounds silly. We learned all kinds of fun exercises. This one, the, the front-leaning rest. Doesn't that sound pleasurable? The front-leaning rest. Is there anyone out there who would like to, to be my demonstrator? No. The front-leaning rest sounds comfortable. It, it sounds like leaning forward and resting. Well, it kind of is. Kind of. It's entering into the push-up position. Put your hands on the floor, your arms extended, your, your body straight like a board, your toes pointed to the ground. The front-leaning rest. So, demonstrator, post! Front-leaning rest, move! Sure enough, he moved. Laid down. Not exactly laid down, but he was on the ground. There's a demonstrator. I will count the cadence, you will count the repetition. 
One, and he bent his elbows and lowered his body down. Ooh, I don't like the front-leaning rest. Two, he pushed himself up. Three, he lowered himself down again. He raised himself up and said, One! And I said, Wait a second, he did more than one. <laughs> the sides straddle hop! They have all kinds of silly names for these exercises. Just say, just say the jumping jack. Maybe that just doesn't sound manly enough. You know, a big, you know, army drill sergeant gets up there, The jumping jack! It doesn't sound as, You know, they're born. Hoorah for the Marines in the house. They always had a demonstrator. Here's why they had a demonstrator. They knew we were all dumb. And we need to see it first. Now, I know I've been a little bit silly, but quite frankly, this is one of the biggest problems we're having with training the generation to come. Is that so many of them have never seen it done right. We're in the the Word of God. We've got it open right in front of us to the book of Psalm 78. And I'm grieved with the verse that I closed with, verse number 8. That they might not be as their fathers. He begins to describe their fathers. A stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation, a generation that set not their heart aright whose spirit was not steadfast with God, how on earth could a generation to come with all of the adversity, all of the wickedness, all of the lust, all of the worldliness that is pressed upon them, how on earth are they to follow God if they've never even seen it done? If the generation that they're coming after is like these men, stubborn and rebellious, a generation that set not their heart aright, you know what that means? Is that their heart was wicked, their heart wasn't right, and when God tried to correct it, they stood stubborn and refused to be moved. And now there's another generation to come. Another generation to come. And that generation needs an example. You know what the difference between teaching and training is? In training, you must have an example in front of you. Well, parents, we, we think it's hard because our children don't do what we say. I'll tell you what makes it harder is when they do what we do. One of the biggest parts of training is setting the example. The example not of what we would have our children to be, but of what God would have our children to be. Yes, we can set the example for them on the football field, on the lake. We can set the example for them in the tree stand or in the shopping mall. We can set all kinds of examples for them. But what about the example that matters the most? The example that walks humbly before a holy God. The example that is sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. The example that rises and, and reads God's Word and studies God's Word. If your children emulated your prayer life, would God hear from your kids?
if your children had the same priorities as you have, would God have a willing vessel to serve Him and to follow Him? If God were to look down at the generation that's following in our footsteps, what kind of generation would we be handing to God? Here, God, use this. And yet we pray for revival. Training involves instruction. It involves example. Another thing that training involves is, is opportunity. Is opportunity. Did you know it's impossible to train someone to do something without giving them the opportunity to do it? It's an impossibility. Now you can tell them. You can tell them. Alright, Johnny, here's how you swing a bat. Well, should I get a bat, Daddy? Nope. Just sit there on the couch. I'm going to tell you how to do it. And you're going to step up to the plate. The pitcher's going to sling a fastball at you. And if you just do exactly what I'm telling you to do, you'll, you'll definitely hit the ball. And you start to tell Johnny, you keep your feet, you know, shoulder width apart. And you keep your elbow up. And you, you know, you grab the bottom of the bat, not the top of it. And I don't even know what to say to tell Johnny. I, but I've done it a thousand times. And some of those times have been successful. And you know, keep your swing level. Keep your eye on the, on the ball. And, and you'll be, you'll be fine, Johnny. And Johnny gets up to the plate. And he's quite confident because Daddy would never lead him astray. and He's never swung a bat before, but he's trained now. Absolutely not. He's got to have opportunity. He's got to have opportunity. And we know that in the athletic world. We know that in the academic world. If a child is told how to do math, if he's ever going to be trained how to do it, he's got to have the problems in front of him and the pencil in the hand. He's going to have to figure the, the, the math and he's going to have to make mistakes and erase the problems and go back to it and work it over. Why? Because only experience can train somebody to do something. And can I ask you, are you teaching, telling, or training your children? to serve the Lord. You say, you, you mean my, my children need opportunity? Yes, they do. They need opportunity. They need opportunity to study God's Word. I want you to know that there's no mistake that we're here in this text tonight while we have school starting and, and this, this coming week for many of us. We've got Awana coming up on the heels. I want you to know that it is my heart's desire that this church be committed to training our young people. Training them. Challenging them, giving them opportunity to study the Word of God and not just throw them a Bible and say, Here, good luck with that, but do the same thing that Jesus did, how he called out and he just said, Hey, follow me. Follow me. You just do what I do. You just do what I do. And, and along the way, that opportunity to learn of him. And, and what did he do after he began to, to teach them? He then sent them out that they might also be trained. And he sent them out two by two. They be together. And then they came back again and discussed all that the Lord had done. And I can't help but thinking that there is a great deal of training going on there. I want you to know that that's what our Awana program is all about. It's about training our kids. Training them. There must be opportunity. So what, what can my child do? My child's only three years old. Train them to pray. Train them to pray. I feel bad for my kids because they make it into a lot of these messages. <laughs> We're there at Imes. We had just moved to Knoxville, and there's a rock wall down there. 
So we're climbing around on the rock wall a little bit and storm clouds start moving in and the rain starts popping, just sporadic. Uh-oh, we better, we better get moving. So I, I tell Almalia to get the girls and, and go because I think this one's going to be bad. And, and I'm, I'm trying to wind up the rope and stuff it into my bag and, and get moving. And, and they're long gone and I, I put my bag on and about the time I do, boom, the heavens open. I mean, it's, it's almost like God was just holding a bucket and just goosh. I get back to the van. My girls had already made it there. They are soaked. Soaked. Turned out and they said, I guess you didn't make it in time. No, we didn't make it in time. She started telling me when the, when the rain started pounding down, we were running as fast as we could. And then Abby started pulling on me saying, Stop, 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 stop. Let's pray that it stop. <laughs> so that's what they did. So they did. And you won't believe it. They prayed and it kept raining. <laughs> it did. It did. That doesn't mean prayer doesn't work. It doesn't mean prayer doesn't work. It just means that the answer is not always yes. Did you catch it? That's training. That's training. Did I, did I do it wrong, Mommy? No, you didn't do it wrong. It's just we don't always get the answer yes from God. Oh, okay. Does that mean we stop praying? No, we never stop praying. In fact, we pray without ceasing. In fact, I should have kept praying because I was still out there in the rain. You see, what are we doing? Are we telling? Are we teaching? Are we training? You want to disciple someone? How about start with those short people in your house? Your kids, your children. To, to give them instruction, instruction and, and teach them, to set the example before them, to give them opportunity. And that's what they need. They need training. And then I'll give you just, just one more as we, as we look at this. Not only do they need that opportunity, but then once opportunity takes place, they need correction. But I can also say this. They also need celebration. Sometimes they don't get it right and they need corrected. And guess what? Sometimes we don't get it right and we need to allow ourselves to be corrected. So many of us, we wonder, why are our children so stubborn? <laughs> it's because you are stubborn. Because I'm stubborn. It's because my wife's stubborn. Because we're all stubborn. We look at our kids. What's wrong with those kids? And they're following in your footsteps. That's what's wrong with them. And they need correction. And I think it would be a great help if both we could set the example of how to be corrected when the Lord shows up to correct us so that they might not learn just from us telling them how to be corrected. I'll remind you that that Proverbs chapter 3 verse 12 is still in the Bible that for whom the Lord loveth, He correcteth, even as a father the son in whom He delighteth. And, and don't kid yourself, there are many times, no doubt, that the Lord desires to correct us. 
to correct us. And I wonder if the instruction isn't a little bit backwards than what we thought. Maybe God is using our children to remind us that we need to walk humbly before God and allow our Father to make correction in our own lives. I mean, nothing makes me more frustrated than when I try to correct a child and that child, huh, I don't want it. Oh, but I wonder how many times in my heart that that's been my attitude towards God. You see, training requires an example. I was talking to a father not so long ago and he was explaining to me how, oh, we did everything right, we did everything right, we did everything right. We took our kids to church every Sunday. <laughs> what about Wednesday? <laughs> did you spend any time with them at home in the Word? What about you and your wife? Did you, did you walk yielded to the Lord yourselves? I'm not trying to blame every single wayward child on poor child raising because at some stage your child has got to make decisions for their own. What I'm trying to get across tonight is that we need to be dedicated to this thing of training. This thing of training does require correction and, and it seems like correction is going by the wayside, like correcting a child is, is wrong for some, for some reason. I'm here to say, no, absolutely it's not. For there is foolishness bound in the heart of a child and the rod of correction will drive it far from them. I'm not talking about child abuse. I'm not talking about that, but what I am talking about is in this process of training when they have the wrong idea or the wrong performance or, or, or the wrong expectation or they do things incorrectly, that they're corrected and they're brought back on course. Why? Because the Lord is worthy of having His heritage correctly trained. That's why. And the celebration. You know, when... When our children do it right, it's okay to let them know that they, they did it right. To celebrate that. You know where we, where we get that? You do realize that even the Lord gives crowns of reward to His saints. And then what do those saints do? They cast them right back at His feet. But nonetheless, the reward of having something to offer Him. If the Lord can reward His own, then certainly we can take His example for our own. Remind ourselves that as we seek to have a Christian home, I mean, I don't mean a home that goes to church. I mean a Christian home. There's a difference. As we seek to have a Christian home, it doesn't have to be, oh, thou shalt not and, and thou shalt, but may we be reminded that we can delight in the Lord together as a family and celebrate the goodness of God in the land of the living and be reminded and remind our children all that God has done. And I'm going to give you three things in one minute. Yeah, get that. Three things in one minute straight out of this text that I want you to walk out of here mindful of. Here's what we need to be training our child. The first thing that we need to be training our children, here it all is, it's all in the same, in the same verse here. Let me find it with my, with my eyes. I might not be on the right page. Give me just a moment. 
In verse number 7, here they all are. This is what we need to train them. That they might set their hope in God. That they might set their hope in God. I want my children to set their hope in God for their salvation. And I want them to set their hope in God for everything else too. That's where I want their hope. I don't want their hope in me. Because I know me. I don't want their hope in their government. I don't want their hope in anything else. I want their hope in the Lord. And I want to dedicate myself not to the telling and teaching, but to the training of that. The next thing that I see is not just to set their hope in God, but they would not forget the works of God. I love how we reminded ourselves about the goodness of God tonight. And we were thankful for all that God has done. We need to set our hearts towards training our children, not just that they might set their hope in God, but also that as they are hoping in Him, they would be reminded of the works that God has done. That's what I want to train my children to do, to remember His works and to set their hope on Him. And then the last one's right here, and I'll let you dwell on it with the Holy Spirit for the remainder of the evening. And to keep His commandments. And to keep His commandments. You know, I think His commandments are still worth keeping. And I'm not just talking about the thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, although those are good ones. <laughs> but I'm talking specifically about the ones that Jesus mentioned first and foremost that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I want to be training the generation to come. Not telling them, not teaching them, training them. That training, that involves instruction, it involves example, it involves opportunity, it involves correction and celebration, and that involves repeating that process all over again. And where is the target of my aim towards setting their hope in God, remembering His works, and keeping His commandments? God has given us an incredible task.